Um, he prayed. Now, don't get us wrong. We should pray all the time. Somebody say all the time. So we should not just wait for specific things to happen or wait till we're going through specific things to pray. We should pray all the time. But there are times when specific things are going on in our life. There are times when things are happening in our life that it gets so, it it, it becomes so overwhelming that we start operating according to our emotions and according to our intellect. And so that usually prevents us from praying because we're trying to figure out what to do. Somebody say amen. We're trying to figure it out and trying to make it work. And we're trying to do what we can to get our situation worked out because it's just so overwhelming. It's just, it, it has sparked some kind of emotional move in your life that you can only think about. How can I, how can I work this out? How can I figure it out? And we start to think about who's an expert in this field and who can do this and who can do that and how can I figure this out? And we start thinking that kind of way and we never stop to say, Well, the all-knowing God can help us out. And so that's why we're talking about when Jesus prayed, not that we should not pray all the time, but we should make sure when certain things happen in our life, we need to make sure we do what Jesus did. So we're going to go to the book of Matthew chapter 26. We'll start in verse 36 through 46. Familiar passages of scriptures, but we'll see something a little bit different in it tonight as we go in studying the word of God, when Jesus prayed, when Jesus prayed, in Matthew 26, verse 36, the word of the Lord says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took him, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, And began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. Verse number 40 says, And he cometh unto his disciples and findeth them asleep and said unto Peter, what could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. So that's clear scripture that I've talked about before. And I'll just mention it here briefly again, that usually when we fail, when we encounter temptation and temptation means everything, everything that is tempting you to, to do what you want as opposed to do what the Lord want. That, that's called temptation. So it's not just one kind of temptation. All of us have different kind of temptations that we will face. Say all of us have temptations. So we, when we think temptation, we, we, we like to easily go in the thought pattern of, well, usually that's that. And we start thinking in our minds that temptation means certain things. No. Every one of us will be tempted. All of us have the capacity to be tempted. So when it talks about temptation, it's letting us know if Jesus was tempted, then we all can be tempted, maybe in different ways, but we will always be tempted. And the number one way to not fall into temptation when you're tempted is to pray. When we fail, 
our temptation, it meant we weren't praying. So anytime you fall into temptation, it meant you did not pray like you needed to. And when you faced that temptation, you failed and you fell into it because prayer was not being offered to God like it's supposed to. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. So this tells you here in a in situation, a lot of times we're dealing with situations that we're not going to get around it. We're not going to get over it. We're not going to get under it. The situation that we're facing, we're going to have to get through it. And so God is not going to remove it. He's not going to stop it. He's not going to get in the way of it. We're going to have to go through it. So we can't just figure because we're Christians and God loves us and God is on our side that every time we get a difficult situation that God is going to come to our rescue and say, let me get you around this. Let's, let's figure out a way how to make sure you don't have to deal with this. No. God is going to make sure he's with us, but we're going to have to go through it. We're going to have to experience what that situation will cause in our life. So you don't always get over it. Uh-huh. Verse 43. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. If I have to, then I'll do it. Then cometh he to his disciples and said unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Amen. As the evening progressed, Jesus spoke to the twelve men gathered with him and said, One of you is going to betray me. For three and a half years, they walked with Jesus. And Jesus didn't say anything about anyone betraying him. And finally, he says, one of you will betray me. The looks of their faces were shock, confusion. No doubt this took most of them by surprise. All but one at least. This is not all. This is, this is not at all what they expected to hear from Jesus during their time together. As one voice they quickly began to ask, is it me, Lord? Is it I that will betray you, Lord? Uh-huh. And that's got to be tough. Jesus said, somebody's going to betray me before they even betray me. And you know it's one of you. And you're like, man, how is that possible? That he's saying, can't I just not do it? My God. For a few, men, few moments, there were a small uproar as the men looked around at each other, wondering just who it is would betray him. Jesus quickly settled the issue by saying, he that dip his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. It was then that Judas looked at Jesus and asked, is it me, Lord? The response came quickly. Thou has said. Jesus was reflecting on the brief conversation and could feel the pain 
and the hurt of rejection all over again. Remember, we talked about it last week that he was rejected last week. Um, um, in the text that we went through, in the teachings we went through, we talked about when should we pray when we're rejected, because that's what happened to Jesus. He was rejected by these three cities that he did most of his miracles in. They rejected him in those cities. So the people that he had put the most in, the people that he had worked with the most and did the most miracles, at some point in time, they just wouldn't accept him. They rejected him. So we talked about that last week. So now here we go here again. Um, this week's teaching, there's some rejection again in, in what we're dealing with, but it won't be quite what he prayed about this time. Last week he prayed because of rejection in our lesson. This week he's going to pray because of personal trial. He's going to pray this week because of personal trial. Okay. But before all of the personal trial happened, the first thing he experienced was rejection hurt remember what we said last week that the same part of your brain works when you experience pain in your body or when you experience rejection so being rejected the area of your brain works the same way as when you're feeling deep pain in your body physical pain so that tells you that rejection causes pain and so Jesus felt the pain and the hurt of rejection all over again when he was rejected by Judas. He had invested. And by the way, as I said, rejection means I have poured myself into you. I have taught you all that I could. And instead of you taking and applying it to your life to make your life better off, you decided that you're going to turn your back on me. That's rejection. Children reject parents. Siblings reject each other. We reject each other when people show us love and, and people help us along the way and we decide to turn our backs on them. That, that's, that's rejection. Whether you look, looked at it like that or not, that's rejection. And so Judas rejected the Lord. He had invested, Jesus had invested three and a half years into the life of Judas Iscariot. Jesus had brought Judas into his inner circle of disciples. He had allowed Judas to be an eyewitness to the miracles that he did. Judas had been given the opportunity to know Jesus in a way most people never would. Again, get used to it. You know, sometimes we, we have to be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we don't get into... Let me say it this way, meaningful relationships because we're trying to protect ourselves from being hurt. We need to get over that. We ought to love everybody. That's what the Bible says. We owe nobody nothing except to love them. So if you owe people love, it means you're probably going to have to go to extra mile at some point in time. It means you're going to invest your time and effort into them at some point in time. We can't say, we should not say that, you know what, I am not even going that way with them because, you know what, I am not trying to get them turn their back on me or reject me after I did all of this for them. We got to stop that. Don't get quiet on me now. We're talking about the word of God. Jesus knew Judas would reject him because he's the omniscient God. 
And and so he he it was deeper for him than it ever will be for us because we don't know who's going to reject us. We know people will reject us, but we don't know who exactly will reject us. Jesus knew exactly who would reject him, and he did not treat Judas any different than how he treated Peter or John or any one of the disciples. He invested the same amount of time. He invested the same kind of love. He treated them all the same, even though he knew one would reject him. So what are we doing? I'm not messing with them because... They ain't going to show appreciation or they ungrateful or I know they're going to turn their backs or whatever the case may be. We can't do that. We just got to love them. And even if we have to go the extra mile and even if we got to put the time in knowing that they might reject us, nothing you can do about it. Now, y'all might be looking at me like I'm crazy. Listen, a man or a woman that's called by God to pastor people have to live their life like that. You, you, you think I can ease up and saying, uh, wishy-washy, not going to pay them no mind. You think I can live it like that? No, because I got to answer to God. Now, y'all can put it on the pastor, but I believe that's what God is calling all of us to be like. You can say the pastor got to do it like that, but I'm telling you, we can look at people and say, wishy-washy. We can look at people and say, they don't deserve my time. We can look at people and say, all that stuff. But Jesus will be able to come back at you and say, you don't think I knew Judas was a mess? You don't think I know he was stealing the money? You don't think I know he was going to turn his back on me? You don't think I know he's going to betray me? How did I treat him? Mm-hmm. We can't be afraid to love people and treat them good in spite of who they are. In spite of what I think they could do to me. I'm not worried about them. I'm loving them and I'm going to treat them the way God wants me to treat them. And if they want to go south, that's on them. If they want to treat me wrong, that's on them. If they want to turn their back on me, that's on them. Listen to this. Judas hung himself. And, and for what we know, that was the last thing he did before he left out of this world, which means he sinned before he left, which means he didn't repent, which means he's not in heaven. So God loved him with unconditional love and took care of him and treated him good. Guess who lost out? Not Jesus. So why am I worrying about loving people? I'm not losing out. Okay, I get my feelings hurt, but I'm not losing out for loving people. They're losing out for me loving them and them treating me wrong if I'm loving them. They lose out. Not me. And you got to get the same attitude that when you love people, well, however they treat you, they lose out if they don't treat you right. And you're fine. That's how Jesus treated Judas. I'm, I'll be all right, Judas. You, you betrayed me. And yeah, you, you, you delivered me in the hands of sinners. And yeah, they're going to crucify me. But guess what? It's all the will of God. And I'll rise on the third day and ascend in heaven and send back the Holy Ghost. And all of y'all going to live a good Christian life if you choose to and have the power of God within you but you Judas will be separated from me eternally they had eaten together traveled together and laughed together yet after all of that for 30 pieces of silver the price of a common slave Judas sold Jesus in an ultimate sign of rejection for Jesus it was one of the greatest trials he had faced as a man. That was a very great trial. Listen, when Satan tempted Jesus, come on, that's the devil. 
you can't go to heaven. Once you got kicked out of heaven, you had no hope. So I'm not worried about you. But people, or let's say Judas, that he loved, that ate with him, that walked with him, that sat at his table, to reject him like that, that was a really challenging time for Jesus. That was a great trial for Jesus. Remember everything else that happened to Jesus, not that it was easy, but those things were expected. His crucifixion was expected. His death on the cross was expected. That's why he came to the earth anyway. But for someone that he took in that closely to betray him, yeah, that was prophesied, but that's not what that's not normal. Let's say it like that. That's not normal for somebody to be that close to you and reject you in the way Judas rejected the Lord. The inner turmoil and frustration would be overwhelming for any human to endure. It would be far easier for Jesus to at lash out on Judas than to do anything else. Jesus could have easily fallen prey to the same thing. He could have allowed the rejection by Judas to overwhelm him and distract him from his purpose. Hear me now. Let me say that again. Jesus could have allowed the rejection by Judas to overwhelm him and distract him from his purpose. So the first thing we have to get into our mind, man, I can talk about this all night long. The first thing we Christians, believers of Christ, have to get into our mind that we have purpose in Christ. I don't, it seems like we don't believe that. We don't live like we believe that, that I have purpose in Christ. I'm not just in Christ sitting and waiting to go to heaven or sitting and waiting to die and then hopefully get to heaven. No, we have purpose. There is something for us to do when we become believers of Jesus Christ. So Jesus realized, just like we should realize, that no matter what we go through, we still have purpose. So we have to always weigh to say, how does this affect the purpose for my life? Now, if you don't have purpose, you're all over the place. Well, if you think you don't have purpose, because whether you know it or not, whether you think it or not, you do have purpose. So if you convince yourself or the devil convinced you, you don't have any purpose, then when problems come, you know what you're going to start doing? Worrying. You're going to be like a chaff in the wind blowing to and fro, like a wave at the sea going back and forth, like a fan oscillating back and forth, because you didn't realize you had purpose. So you're all over the place. I remember before we started Christ Center Church, I remember my challenges that I was going through. And here is what I said. God, I want people to the Lord. I always went out and knocked doors. I did this. I did that. I feel like I have purpose. I feel like I still have something to do with you. But I don't feel you working in my life. So maybe you're done with me. Maybe I fulfilled all of what you chose me to do as a Christian man, as a believer. And later on, the Lord just wheeled right in. But my point of telling you that is, you need to approach the Lord like that. 
If you're living for God and you feel like you don't have purpose, approach him like that. Well, God, I feel like there's nothing for me. So I just go to church. Sometimes I don't even feel like clapping or worshiping, Lord, because I just don't feel like I have purpose. Do you have a purpose for me, Lord? And if you do, can you let me know something? We need to talk to him like that. Because if we don't talk to him like that, when we get our trial times, our moment of trial, we're going to fail them every time because we're not going to believe that there is more to that trial than what you're experiencing. There's more that is, is, is supposed to happen in your life than you worrying about that situation. Without accepting and believing that you have purpose in Christ, when your trial comes, it will defeat you every time. Instead, Jesus chose the best response to rejection. He took the time to pray. Again, it sounds like, yeah, sure, that's what he did. That's what we're supposed to do. Stop it. We pray when we go through small stuff. Our prayer is when we go through small stuff. Eh, no big deal. But when we're going through big stuff, the world is falling apart. My life is like in danger. Like, I don't know if I can live another day. We don't pray. We don't pray. We don't pray when our marriage is in trouble. We don't pray when our kids just keep on doing wrong and can't get it right. We don't pray when, when we just find ourselves being broke for a long period of time. We don't pray when things get really tight, when you're fighting with people constantly. We don't pray when we can't get the job, when we keep on seeking it but it's not happening or we're not getting a raise. We get frustrated and mad and just stop doing what we should do. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to say amen. I'm just telling you what I know we do. The bigger the problem, the more we don't pray. Because here's the problem anyway. You want me, you, let, me, let me bust you a little bit and, 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 and say, see, you don't. You know why you don't pray? It becomes so overwhelming and emotional that you don't even know what to say to God. That's why you don't pray. Uh-huh. That's why you don't pray. It is so hurtful. It is so big. It just overtakes you and overwhelms you that you cry. You, 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 you just, you, you, you talk to somebody if you're one that talks or you just go by yourself and say nothing and you just kind of shut yourself down and you don't pray. But you know you're supposed to pray. But in your mind, what am I going to say? I don't even know what to pray. Don't God know what I'm going through? So we don't pray when it's big. We pray when it's not too big. So Jesus prayed. He knew the only way to get past the wounds and the hurt feelings of being rejected was to find an altar and pour himself out in prayer. He knew prayer would allow him to gain the proper perspective on those who had and would betray him. Jesus prayed in the garden, not as I will, but as thou will. In the midst of trials, we must seek to embrace God's will and purpose for the trial. Knowing his purpose and plan is greater than what we may be able to see at the moment. What God wants to do in your life, take 
the example of Jesus Christ. What God wants to do through you and what God has for you is so much greater than your trial, it will blow your mind. Can you imagine if Jesus would have allowed his trial to stop him from going through with his purpose? How big was his purpose? How grandioso was his purpose? It was large. It was big. As a matter of fact, it was the only way we were going to be saved if he went through with his purpose. Can you imagine he would have been so overwhelmed and so hurt and so frustrated that he says, I'm not going to the cross. I'm not going to the cross. This is too much. What if he would have said that? No, he knew his purpose was greater than the pain and the hurt and the rejection and the trial that he was dealing with. He knew that his purpose was greater than that. When are we going to first of all make sure we grab a hold of our purpose and secondly understand your purpose is bigger and more powerful than any situation or trial you would ever go through? We need to tell our trials. We need to tell the devil. You don't understand. God has handpicked me and chose me to do wonderful and marvelous things through him. And I'm not going to let any problems or trials stop me. As a matter of fact, it's going to make me brag all the more. It's going to make me boast in Christ. It's going to make me feel that much better when I accomplish the will of God to know what I went through to get it done. Is going to demonstrate the power of God when I just hold on and keep going until I get it done. Man, I don't know about you, but when I got to testify of why I'm still here today and I can look back at all the things I had to overcome and look at all the things I had to go through and still got to fight and still got to keep going. When I look back at those, it feels so much better than if I had no trials, than if I had no rejection. It feels so much more better that I had these challenges, that I had these trials, that I had these rejections. It feels so much more better. So we got to know that our purpose in Christ is so much greater than what we're experiencing in the moment of our trial. One of the most difficult things to do in a trial is to raise above our emotions and remember God's purpose for us. Remember, we keep talking about that emotions, emotions, emotions. God is not telling you not to have emotion. He's not telling you to be a robot. What, I, what You have heard me said this before. Uh, you can experience hurt. You can experience rejection. You can experience whatever is going on. And you know what? You might have to cry a little bit. You know what? You might have to, you might have to hurt a little bit. You know what? You, you, you might just be frustrated a little bit. But after that little bit, I need you to go and seek the face of God. After that little bit, you need to go to God and say, God, I know you're larger than charge and you're still in control. And while that situation has hurt me and frustrate me, now, God, here I am. I trust you and I'm going to stick with you. We got to get to that place. I'm not telling you don't cry. I'm not telling you don't don't be, don't go through emotional situation when you're struggling, when you're going through a hurtful time, or you feel rejected. I'm not telling you that. God gave us re- emotions for something, so express that emotion. But 
after you're done, don't you stop. You better keep on going and do what God wants you to do. Mm-hmm. 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 We tend to have tunnel vision when we are in the valley and our world is crumbling all around us. It is natural to be hypersensitive during these times of our trials, during, during these times of our rejection. But if we are not careful, we may miss the fact that God could be using the trial or test to work his purpose in us. You don't like that when God is trying to work something for his will to be done. And that means we have to go through trial. But, but we should, we should be, just become accustomed to that. Why Jesus' road to the cross wasn't a lot smoother? Why did he have to go through stuff? Why did he have to get tempted by the devil? Why did Judas have to betray him? Why his road to the cross just wasn't a lot easier? Romans 8, 28 tells us, And we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Paul said, We know it is a certain or certainty that the certainty that everything we go through is working for our good and his purpose. Everything we go through is working for our good and his purpose. I had this written down somewhere, but I like it so much I'm going to say it before I even get to it. So you might hear it a second time. Every problem, every rejection, every trial that you have to face, it had to go through the hand of God first before it got to you. I don't know why we, I don't know if we think that somehow God missed it. The problems that's coming to you, the rejection that's coming to you, the trial that's coming to you. I don't know if somehow we think, oh man, that one slipped God. God! Yo, you let that one get by you. I need your help over here. Are you kidding me? And they had to go through him. It had to go through his hands. It couldn't get to you until it gets through him. So if he let it get through him, you know what it means. What did I tell you? He could have shut down the whole negotiation with Satan wanting to see Job get destroyed. He could have shut down the whole negotiation. Job went negotiating. Your boy Job only serving you because you bless him so good. He could have stopped it right there and say, so what? Come on, did we think about that? He could have he looked at devil right now and said, so what if he's serving me because he liked the stuff I give him? He mine. But the Lord didn't say that. The Lord said, oh, really? All right. Let me show you something. And so he said, you can take all the stuff that he got and let's see what happens. So everything got to go through the Lord. It doesn't show up on your doorstep or show up in your life because God missed it. During times of adversity and trial, our emotions can get the best of us. The challenge is to bring our emotions under the control of the Holy Ghost and let God direct our response. We have to let God direct 
our response. You know what I've learned? The world says it this way, but I'll tell you how God expects for us to do it. The world says it this way. Don't make a decision while you're upset. Don't send the email while you're upset. Don't send the text while you're upset. Don't post on Facebook while you're upset. That's what the world tells you, and it's a good thing. But in Jesus, they that wait upon the Lord. Uh huh. So I'd rather just wait upon the Lord. I don't care how crumbling it's going. I just know the God that I serve, that if I decide that God, I don't know what's going on, I don't understand what's going on, so I'm not going to do anything until you get involved. So I'm just going to sit here and keep talking to you and keep worshiping you. I'm not doing one thing. Whatever you want to do, Lord, you go ahead, because I have no clue what I'm dealing with. And I just sit there and talk to the Lord and worship the Lord. And I know him good enough to know, since I'm helpless, he will help me. Since I'm helpless, he will help me. And I'm letting him know I'm helpless. I'm letting him know I can't. I'm letting him know I don't have the capacity. So God, I don't know what to do. So you do whatever you want, Lord. And I trust that the Lord loves me so much. That he'll get involved and do something that's for my good. <laughs> he'll do something that's for my good and for his purpose. Uh huh. We do not always see the big picture God sees. We know how a particular trial will result in his purpose coming to pass in our lives, but we usually don't really understand it. We just got to keep cool and do what we need to do. If we respond with human emotions, we may very well be working against God's purpose in us and for us. You want an example of that one? Like, well, let me say this again because I think y'all might have missed it. If we respond with human emotions to our trial, we may very well be working against God's purpose in our life. And so... Here's a good one. Peter and Jesus. Bob, when it was time for Jesus to go to the cross and the soldiers come to arrest Jesus, Peter was upset. Oh, no, y'all not taking him. Oh, no. Matter of fact, Peter drew his sword. Cut a dude ear off Jesus. No, no, no. No violence. Lord, you can't die. And Jesus looked him in the eye and says, get thee behind me, Satan. Why? Because the purpose was that he had to die. But Peter's emotions say, this is my man. We tight. We eat together. We go everywhere together. You hang out at my house, and now they're going to kill you. No, no, they can't kill you, Lord. His emotions. And the Lord says, get thee behind me, Peter, because you're, you're, you're getting into... Messing up the plan here. The plan of God is that I have to go to the cross. The plan of God is I have to die. So you just get get out the way so I can go and die. This is why emotion can't play the part. Because emotion will mess up the plan of God for our life. As soon as we start responding to the situation, the trial, the rejection, as soon as we start responding to it with emotions, we're going to have trouble and probably mess up the plan of God. Can't let your emotions get in the way. So when we're going through stuff, can't respond with emotions. 
Prayer is a necessity during trials. Of course, I told you prayer is a necessity all the time. But in trials, when your emotion is getting the best of you, it is even that much more important. While there are many actions a person can take during a trial, it is always necessary to take time to pray instead of becoming frustrated. Take the time to pray. Instead of lashing out in anger, take the time to pray. Instead of giving way to depression or despondency, take the time to pray. The example Jesus gave us proves that prayer is a necessity doing times of trial being God manifest in flesh did not keep him from being tested neither did it exempt him from the same types of trial we all go through he would struggle with the same feelings and emotions we struggle with on that night when Judas betrayed Jesus it would have been easy for Jesus to lash out in anger at Judas Jesus had chosen to view such a test as being Jesus could have viewed such a test as being unfair. Yes, some of those trials, Matthew, some of those trials are going to come where you think this is unfair. If it's coming from the Lord, if the Lord allow it to come, let me say it that way. If the Lord allow it to come, don't go down the road of unfair. Once you start saying it's unfair, your emotion is going to supersede everything else. Once you start saying this is unfair, what did I do to deserve this? That's a big one. I don't deserve this. You probably don't. But God, who is all-knowing and all-loving and all-powerful, says, let this come your way, son. Let this come your way, daughter. So stop worrying about how fair it is. I've never done it. I, we, we, as, soon as, we start, as soon as we start saying that, I start rubbing my head. I didn't do anything to anybody. I treat people right. I mind my own business. Next time, a good friend of yours, good friend, don't just say it to anybody. Say that. Just say to them, are you a Christian? Just ask them that. Because once they say, yeah, say, well, these are things that the Lord will allow to happen to Christians. <laughs> are you a Christian? Because, because you shouldn't be saying, I didn't do anything wrong. If you're a Christian, some things are going to come your way that you have nothing to do with why it happened. It's just the way it is. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I just said this to someone. I don't know. I was talking to someone the other day. I was telling them this. So here's the, here's the deal always. There are some things... That we are reaping, Sister Kellerman. There are things that we're reaping. We can leave that out and say it came from God. We're just reaping what we sowed. And this, this goes back for all of our life. We can't discount the things that we have done in our life and we're going to reap it. That lets you know that I'm just reaping this. This has nothing to do with God. Then you're going to have some other things that happen and you're like, just what I just said. Where did this come from? What did I do for this to happen? And once you can nail down that you did nothing for this to happen, then you just smile. Because God is the one that's allowing this to come for some reason. See how it works? 
So if I'm reaping, I need to smile and say, God, at least I have you on my side that, you know what, as I go through this situation because it's something that i got to reap for something that I've done, I just need your strength to take me through. If it's something that I'm like, this is like out of left field. I, I don't understand how this happened. You just, once you, once you can determine you don't understand how that happened, then you said, all right, this went through the hands of God. It went through the hands of God. So I'm all right because God allowed it to come my way. It went right through his hands. I didn't do anything. I didn't, you know, do anything to cause this, but it's coming. So God is allowing this to come. So you know what? I just got to figure out now why. What should I get out of this? How should I go about, you know, the things that God is wanting to do in, in this trial and through me? So that's how you would know, Brother Ivan. In his humanity, he could have become frustrated with the whole situation. Jesus was showing us by example that during times of trial and testing, we must find a place of prayer. He faced the same struggles between flesh and spirit that we do. His emotions were just as human as ours. The thoughts that went through his mind were probably similar to some of the thoughts that we receive when we are dealing with a situation. Instead of responding to his flesh, Jesus responded to the spirit and went to the garden of Gethsemane to spend some time in prayer. Here, he surrendered his human will to the will of God. He surrendered his human will to the will of God. I preached about this before, but I just feel like I just need to insert this as I move along. You ever heard of willpower? Uh-huh. God created you with willpower. So the willpower that he created you with, use it to surrender to his will. I can't. Yes, you can. You don't want to. Be honest with yourself. You don't want to, but you can because he gave you willpower. Because there are things that you wanted to do and you willed your way to it. Oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to show you. Oh, I'm going to make this happen. You did that with some other stuff. So all of a sudden now, because you don't want to do what God wants you to do, you ain't got no willpower. He surrendered his will, his human will, to the will of God. He reestablished his purpose in prayer when he said, not as I will, but as thou will. He was showing us there is indeed a greater purpose to our trials than just what we're going through. Again, that emotion, that pain can stop you in your tracks and make you start pondering and thinking and make you not pray. But we got to realize we got to move on. We got to seek God. Mm-hmm. There's greater purpose in your trial. There's greater purpose because of your trial. And so as you're, as you're dealing with your trial, that's because there's greater purpose. You know what I always say? I've said this in passing a lot of times. If nothing is happening in your life, it means you ain't worth nothing. Sorry to sound like that. But the devil don't mess with anybody and God don't test nobody that ain't about nothing. Can you imagine if Job was just a wimp? You think God would allow that test to come? Nope. 
No, he's he not ready. <laughs> he ain't ready. Let's say it our way. He ain't ready. So he wouldn't be tested by God. He would have got a baby test. And then the devil don't mess with you if you are not a threat to him. Oh, I got you. You ain't got no power. So from the mere fact of you having a trial, a test, a challenge, it says, man, I must be mighty powerful. I must be mighty special. I must have a great purpose that I need to fulfill. And all the forces of this world and the devil is trying to stop me and God is trying to strengthen me for that purpose. All of us at times have got to the place where we feel like I need to give up. I need to quit. I just can't. All of us. But I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, woman, I'm telling you, young person, man, when we can just say, God, you must have something in store. That's sometimes what got me and kept me going. God, you must have something in store if I got to keep on struggling and pushing through this situation and that situation. I told you, God, help me one day to understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. The Lord clearly just dropped the thought in my mind one night and says, Son, you're going through all of this because of me. And, and, and it's, so, it's so profound because here's the story. If you're flowing with the world, the, the troubles that you're dealing with, you wouldn't be dealing with them. If you're going with the current, there is no opposition. There's no obstacle if I'm going with the current. But as soon as I'm swimming against the current, going against the tides, there's going to be some struggles. There's going to be some challenges because I'm going against the norm. Living for God is not like living for this world. This world is flowing one way and us living for God is flowing another way. So you can't live for God and it be easy. You're going to have to fight some fights. All right. The power of intercessory prayer is invaluable during trials. There are different kinds of prayers as well as different levels of prayers. During a trial, there is great benefit in entering a season of intercessory prayer. In these times, we may be so overwhelmed with what is happening to us that we really have no idea how or what we should pray. So here's some help. So you're going through it. You're overwhelmed. You're emotional. You don't know what to pray. The power of intercessory prayer is that during our hardest trials, the Spirit will pray through us to help us when we do not know how to pray. We sometimes downplay the Holy Ghost, but we better not downplay the Holy Ghost because there are mornings when I got up and I try to pray and I said, Lord, I don't even know what to say. I prayed this prayer yesterday. I prayed that prayer the day before. So how about you pray through me? How, how about you begin to minister through me? And all of a sudden I start talking tongues and I know God is praying on my behalf. Intercessory prayer. The Holy Ghost is not there for us to say, I talk in tongues. No, the Holy Ghost is there to help us to intercede seed for us. And so we got to say sometimes, God, I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say. The Bible says, but with moanings and groanings, will we pray and God is praying on our behalf. That's intercessory prayer. So when you don't know what to pray, just sit there and say, God, I don't know what to pray. Will you pray through me? We worried about talking in tongues to look cool. (laughs) 
We worry about the preacher saying the proof of you having the Holy Ghost is when you talk in tongues. That's all true. But we got to move past that and realize the, 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 the reason that God gave us the Holy Ghost. And one of the reasons is that when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Ghost pray on our behalf. We think the Holy Ghost is to be cool. Man, we need the Holy Ghost to work with us because sometimes, man, we're devastating. We're devastated. And we're like, man, God, this is tough. Will you pray on my behalf and help me, Lord? Paul, give us some insight into valuable, into the value of intercessory prayer in such a time. Romans 8, 28 states, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Woo! Oh, man, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. What a powerful promise and resource. Through the avenue of intercessory prayer, we can engage the Spirit in a dynamic way. Huh. Help us. This does not happen when we rush in and out of prayer. I've been talking about that we need to really pray, and prayer is interaction with God. Prayer is communion with God. And when we sit or kneel or lay to pray, we need to pray and give God some time to speak to us. And when we lay or sit and stand, whatever we do to pray, we got to sometimes stay there and say, God, I don't know what to pray. And you begin to let the Holy Spirit take control of your mouth, of your heart, uh, and begin to pray through you, and you just Stay there and just let him have his way and let him tell you when prayer is over. We just like to get in and and out of prayer. Say our two-piece and just get out of here. I got to go. Work time. If we're going to experience the Spirit of God helping us, we're going to have to take some time. We can't just be praying on the run. The Spirit begins to speak through us with groanings and utterings we do not understand. This is what is meant by the Spirit itself making intercession for us. It means we have entered into such a place of prayer that the Holy Ghost is praying on our behalf. Prayer really helps us to endure the trials of life while we are remaining focused on his purpose for our life. So while we're challenged by the trial, by the trials, when we're praying, it helps us stay focused on his purpose. Oftentimes, you keep hearing me repeating this because it's important. I've watched people over the years that when they go through, let me just be just straight frank with you. When people go through relationship problems, marital problems, when they have babies, when they children are off the hook, um, what's another big one that I see? Um, yeah, relationship problems with your spouse, your children acting up, or or um, what's the other one that I just said? Or or, a, or or a woman having a baby, or or just just significant things. I've watched people when it happened. I've watched them get so focused on that situation that they drift from God. I've watched it. So I'm not telling you something that I'm making up. I'm telling you what I've watched over the years. I pay attention to everything, even though you think I'm not paying attention. That's just something 
that's a part of my personality. I'm paying attention even when I'm not supposed to be paying attention. Ever since I was yay high, that's why somebody else do that. And somebody else did that. We have the one that do it now, he do it on steroids. So I did it, the oldest one did it, and then the youngest one, he do it on steroids. I feel bad sometimes because he can't even help it. He's way across the room and he's still trying to pay attention to something that's going on. Have no reason to be paying attention to it, but somehow he's doing it. It's a part of our character. I don't know what that is. God help us. But I pay attention to a lot of things in the church. And I've, and I've seen it. Relationship problems, man. Man, oh man. That just messes things up. Make people just go to the left so badly to the point where they're just like discouraged and they're not paying God no mind. All they can feel is the hurt of the relationship problems. Woman having a baby, all she can think about is that baby. Those those things I see, children acting up, all they can think about is the child acting up. Somebody rejecting you. All you can think about is, as good as I treated them, how could they do me like this? Those are things that I've paid attention over the years. People stop doing what you want them to do. Because a lot of times we, we enter into relationships where the relationship is only good if the people are doing what you want them to do. And as soon as they don't do what you want them to do, then there's no good in the relationship anymore. What kind of relationship is that? That is only good when the people are doing what we want them to do. Don't they have their own mind? Can't they do what they want sometimes? Can't they disagree with you? Prayer is not guaranteed to deliver us instantly from our trials. It is not a get out of jail free card. We can use whenever we want and expect everything to change. However, prayer can give us the strength and the focus we need to endure the trial regardless of how difficult it is or how long it may last. Prayer will help us look beyond the trial and find the purpose. When it gets crazy, just say, God, I don't understand this. Can you help me to see beyond this trial and see what you're trying to accomplish? Those are simple prayers, but they're powerful prayers. Help me to see beyond. Even though this trial is in my life right now, it's immediate. I know, God, but just like you was able to say, not my will, I'm saying it. Can you let me see the purpose right now and not worry about the trial as it is? Prayer can help us see with spiritual eyes. The natural eyes see what we are going through and ask, why does this have to happen to me? The spiritual eyes see what we're going through and ask, what good can come from this happening to me? So when you look at it from a natural standpoint, you say, why me? When you look at it from a spiritual standpoint, you say, all right, God, what are you trying to do with this? A regular season of prayer doing tests and trials that come our way will help us not to be so focused on our feelings and emotions. During prayer, we can expect God to speak to us and bring clarity about the purpose of the particular trial and how it is serving to fulfill his purpose in our life. Prayer has a way of lifting our eyes beyond the present distress of a trial and helping us to see the future blessing of enduring what we are going through. Mm -hmm. 
Jesus refused to allow the present trial to sidetrack him from his purpose. He endured the trial of the cross. He despised the shame brought upon him. Why? For the joy that was set before him, he knew the future joy would be greater than the present suffering. When Jesus was going through, here is the, the idea, what, what, what he was trying to teach us. He was trying to teach us that I know I'm struggling now. I know it's hurtful. I know I feel rejected. But I know all the people that will repent of their sins and be baptized in my name. I can see the millions of people that will elevate from the earth and meet me in the air when the judgment come when rapture come they will come I can see all the people that will worship and praise and joy I can see all the people that will be edified because of me sustaining this whole thing he looked beyond the trial and looked at the results so if we're looking for the, the, the secret is praying for God's strength so we could look beyond what we're going through and look at what will be produced. Look at what will take place. We must not become so caught up in the trial that we forget there is a purpose for everything God allows to happen to us. There is not one thing that God is allowing to happen to us that is not for a purpose. We got to believe that. We got to know that. Understanding that all things work together for good help us pray through our trials and gain God's perspective. A right perspective can easily be lost during the trials that come our way. But if we can take a step back and pray, God will allow us to begin to gain his perspective on the trials we are facing. We can become so consumed with trying to find a way out of the present circumstance that we stop praying like we know we should. Our worship can become hollow. Our response to the word of God can become nonchalant because we're so deadlocked and focused on the trial. We clap our hands because we heard somebody clapping. We say praise the Lord because somebody says praise the Lord. We say amen because we're supposed to say amen, but really and truly we're, we're letting the trial get the best of us. Not praying while going through a trial will affect a person's spirit in a negative way. Without remaining full of the Holy Ghost, we will fall prey to temptation during times of testing. People can backslide if they do not remain focused on the purpose of God for their lives during their time of trial. I can't say it enough about purpose. I can't say it enough, church. I can't say it enough. I realize the secret sauce to reading the Old Testament and watching so many of those men and women uh, fall, mess up, and even in the New Testament, but kept going. I know what the common denominator is, and the common denominator is purpose. Every one of them that messed up, every one of them, whatever they were doing, they had a purpose. Noah had a purpose. David had a purpose. Abraham had a purpose. We can keep on going and going. Jeremiah had a purpose. Isaiah, they all had a purpose. And so when trials and, and challenges came their way, they, they, whatever way they dealt with it, for the emotion, the emotion to come out, they did, but they never stopped going because they had a purpose. 
if we will grab a hold of purpose, then we will realize that we will overcome every trial. We will overcome every obstacle, every rejection that we go through. We will realize I could make it through because you know what? I have a purpose and I'm going to fulfill that purpose. And that purpose is greater than any rejection. That purpose is greater than any hurt feelings. That purpose is greater than any trial that I will go through. My purpose is too great. And my inheritance is too outstanding for me to ever allow anything to get in my way. Do you understand? You're inheriting a mansion. And the mansion is on a street made of gold. I don't think there's anything in this world. I mean, think about how many people dying daily because of robbery. For money. For jewelry. For fame. And that stuff, we're just going to inherit it like no big deal. I close with this. Even after David had been anointed king and chosen by God, he still had to run for his life. David got anointed and was on the run. How in the world God, you got to look at this stuff, man. God told this dude, I'm anointing you king of Israel. He got anointed king of Israel, but he had to be running. Man, if I was David, me and God had to scrap. God, hold on now. How are you anointing me king to rule over all Israel and I got Saul chasing me all over the place? Oh, we quiet on that one. What I tell you, you got to learn the ways of God and not worry about just trying to learn every single uh, portion of scripture. Because you're not going to learn every single portion of scripture. But what you got to do is learn the ways of God. When God anoints you to do something, he's going to have to strengthen you. He's going to have to toughen you up. He's going to have to build you up. (laughs) He anointed David and says, all right, Dave, you're going to be king of Israel. But we're going to have to make some things get a little fine tuned here. If you study scripture tightly, David was on the run for about seven to ten years from Saul, hiding in caves, trying to stay alive. Somebody would have said, well, that prophet wasn't on time. It couldn't have been God that that called me to be king, because how in the world? That don't make sense. See how here we go, our motion kicks in. There's no way God called me to be king, and he's got this dude chasing me. So that must have been, so David, if, if that was us, we would have just went and started doing our own thing because it just don't make sense that God could call me and I'm going through this. <laughs> Imagine yourself as being David. God had chosen you to be the next king of Israel. You had been anointed already. And time again, you had a chance to take Saul's life but didn't. The same dude that was chasing him, David could have took his life. Huh. Lord, help me, Jesus. He was chasing David continually, wanting to kill him. What would you say to God if God was allowing that to happen to you? Saul had a desire to kill David even before he was anointed by Samuel to be king. Saul was so angry that he even threw a spear at his own son Jonathan because of David. And even God's priests were murdered because of Saul's fierce anger against David. All of his anger was not justified. David was innocent. David was innocent. God, how are you allowing me to go through this? (laughs) 
And then the other thing is, we have some ignorant people that think because you're going through something, you sin it. Man, we're so messed up in the head when it comes down to understanding who our God is. Yeah, he going through something. He probably was, he probably just reaping some stuff that he saw. David cried out often to God as in Psalms 142 verse 1 and 2. With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead to for mercy for the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. There is consolation in the fact that even King David poured out his heart and complaints before God. But he didn't stay there for long. Nearly every psalm where David pours out his heart doing his pain, grief, trial, and struggles, he concludes the psalm with praising God and giving God glory. So David, read through the psalms. Many people you like to read through the psalms when they're going through and, and things are just, they're down. They like to read the psalms because it, it picks them up and gives them encouragement. Well, guess who wrote that? A dude that was being chased by a man that was supposed to be the king and supposed to love him. And he was supposed to be anointed king and he's running for his life and he was writing all that stuff. Innocent dude that did nothing but be called by God. God, I was just minding my own business and you called me to get saved. And now that I got saved, I thought I was good. And now you're giving me purpose. And on top of you giving me purpose, now I got to get problems with the purpose? Yes. Absolutely yes. I know. So let's just get over it now. Let's just get over it because for so long we won't accept that, yes, God is calling you to be saved. Yes, God is saying, but I just don't want you being saved. I need you to fulfill your purpose while I created you. And on top of it, while you're trying to fulfill the purpose for your good and for my purpose, you're going to experience a whole lot of rejection and trials and problems. And yes, you got to just go through it. But I'll be with you. That's it in a nutshell of who we are as Christians. It ain't changing. Because the Almighty who created everything, he came down out of heaven and same for him. It wasn't no different for him. That's it. That's all she wrote. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, oh God, how excellent is thy name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, God of heaven. Ah, oh my God. Ah, yes, God, help us to embrace your purpose for our life. Help us to understand, oh God, that trials will always come. Rejection will always come. Hurt will always come. But God, remind us. Take us into prayer. Allow us to go before you and be at your feet and cry out to you and call upon your name. Oh, God, that, Lord, we will embrace who we are as children of God, that we will not cower down, Lord God, and that we will not be timid, Lord God, and that we will not, oh, God, go backwards, but, Lord, that we will move forward and trust in you and stand on your word and know, Lord God, 
God, assuredly, that, Lord, whatsoever you have called us to do, you will see it through to completion. I pray tonight that the words spoken here into our hearing will, oh God, take root into our heart and become a part of us. That, Lord, we will live it out. Help us tonight, Lord God, that we will pray always. But more importantly, Lord God, when we experience rejection, when we experience trials, when when we experience, Lord God, the hard things of this life, that, Lord, we will get down upon our knees and cry out and worship you and praise you and adore you. Will you strengthen the people of God that sits in this room here tonight, Lord God, that whatever comes their way, Lord God, they will square their shoulders and trust in you and call upon your name and, Lord Jesus, be able to make it through. Let no person in this room, Lord God, back away or cower down or backslide because of the trials, because of the hurt, because of the rejection. But I pray that there will be courage and boldness that will be unleashed in their life by the power of the Holy Ghost and that they will stand on your word and your promises. I pray tonight, Lord God, and as we go from this place, the word spoken, Lord God, will ever be a part of us. Have your way tonight, Lord. Bless our homes that are represented here tonight. Bless this church and let the will of God be done. Oh, Father, we thank you for all that you are doing. We trust you, Lord. Even when our emotions are out of whack, Lord, we trust you. Even when we can't see what's going on, we trust you. Even when, Lord God, we can't grasp the things that are happening, we trust you, Lord God. We know you have a plan. We know you have purpose. And so, Lord, let every person in this room, Lord God, understand their purpose. And, Lord, until they understand it, I pray they will walk in faith and they will, oh God, walk in obedience of your word until you reveal purpose to them, until you show them what you have called them to do. Lord, we love you. We praise you and thank you for all these things. We pray in a wonderful and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Let all the house of the Lord say in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you in Jesus' name.